0: Welcome to Make a Baby with Hashimoto's, where we will chat all things Hashimoto's and baby making. I'm Chelsea, registered dietitian and spiritual healer. I'm also a Hashimoto's warrior and mom of one. And I'm Morgan. I'm a registered nurse, fellow Hashimoto's warrior, and a new mom of one as well. And we're so excited to help guide you through this amazing journey. Let's Let's make a baby. Welcome back to another episode of Make a Baby with Hashimoto's. I am really excited to give you guys this episode today because we have a special guest on with us. Um, She is a registered dietitian and also a PCOS specialist. She's helped hundreds of women um, with overcome their PCOS symptoms and also get pregnant with PCOS. Um, So welcome, Corey to our podcast. We're very excited to have you. Um, So if you should have a few minutes to tell us a little bit about you, um, what your experiences have, has been with PCOS and like how it's kind of influenced your path to where you are right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have PCOS too. And when I first became a dietitian, I thought, Oh, like, I don't want to touch the world of PCOS with a 60 foot pole because it's so, cause it's so complicated, yeah. but I started to understand and realize that there is a huge connection between nutrition and diet and what we're eating and our blood sugar and our hormones and our PCOS. So as my career kind of unfolded, I thought, you know what, I'm actually kind of the perfect person to do this. And and I fell in love and and it's been a love affair ever since. And I absolutely love what I do. So um yeah so I so I am a dietitian I have a master's in nutritional science and I have gained a lots of experience in the field, working in different women's clinics. I've seen a lot of women with PCOS treated a lot of uh, women with PCOS with infertility problems and fertility issues. And, um, and so I, I, think I was able to kind of, you know, kind of, kind of blend my own experience with this condition, which has been a very, um, long and frustrating journey with my education and my experience as a dietitian, you know, within the field. So, So that's kind of all culminated into this private practice. Um, And I run a couple of PCOS programs and one of them is specifically focused on fertility because PCOS is the leading cause of infertility. Yeah. And there's lots that we can do, yeah, outside of a doctor's office or in conjunction with whatever route you want to go, um, to optimize our facility and give us a, a real shot at at having a healthy pregnancy. And I am a mom of two, so I've been there also myself and, and been through the in the trenches
0: there. So yeah, yeah that's where I we think, are. <laughs> great that like you know. Not great that you have PCOS, but that you can be so relatable to your clients who oh, yeah. do have PCOS. Um, and not just relatable, but almost like an inspiration to them because. You you know have healed your symptoms or have you know been through the trenches like you said and kind of come out on the other side and you're able to help them do the same. So I think that's really yeah. important when you're looking for a practitioner, um, you know that they can relate to you and understand where you're coming from because yes. I know that sometimes you know doctors just some of them don't understand exactly mm-hmm. what's going on always. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think maybe it's more textbooks. Some of them just don't, have, haven't have dived into it as much. And they're just like, you know, exercise more and eat less carbs. And I know that can kind of be mm-hmm. like similar for women with Hashimoto's too, like they mm-hmm. get that as well. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so having someone with that background and like that personal knowledge and experience of having mm-hmm. the symptoms and then also being able to see the other side of it, I think is so important when you're looking for someone to kind of help you wherever you're at, um, whether you're just diagnosed or you've you've been um, in this journey for a long time. So, um, so true. Start off. I know, Corey. I hate to say this, but I think your earrings are clacking against the. Oh, speaker. you know what?
1: I've been told that before. <laughs> dang dang. I, I love my, my dang earrings, but yeah, like, no, I. T-
0: <laughs> I love them. Is that better? Yeah, it is better. I was like, okay, what is that? (laughs) I was like, I think it's the culprit.
1: Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally fine. I just thought, well, maybe that's what it is. Perfect. But as we kind of dive into this, um, like I know there's different types of PCOS. And like from what I understand, like treatments very similar, regardless of the type of PCOS. So can you kind of walk Mm -hmm. us through like what is PCOS? What are some of the common symptoms that women are experiencing with it in like you know, how can they go about identifying these and treating them? Totally. So, and I I like that you brought that up
1: because we do see a lot on the good old worldwide web, the interwebs Mm -hmm. about, you know, what's my type of PCOS, what type of PCOS, what type, type, type. I always encourage, you know, clients and program members and, and just followers of mine to not focus too heavily on that. Because to be honest with you, Treatment protocols are largely the same. You're going to work on diet. You're going to work on exercise. You're going to work on stress reduction. So it's important not to get too into the weeds of what's my type, and of course that that's a natural you know curiosity we all have. We all want to label and define ourselves. I totally get that, but I'm also here to say it's not as um, as vital to our healing journey to uh, to you know to, to to really try to figure that out, and it's, it's hard to do that sometimes. So. PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. And there, in order to get a diagnosis, you have to meet two out of three, what we call diagnostic criteria. So the first one is having irregular periods. So when I say irregular periods, I don't mean someone who has a 28 day cycle this month and maybe next month, it's 29 days. And maybe the month after that, it's back to, down to twenty-seven. That variation is normal. What I'm talking about is if you have a, um, a thirty-five day cycle one month, and then a seventy-five day cycle, and then maybe back down, maybe seventeen days in between a bleed, then eighty-seven. I don't know why I'm using sevens. 85, um, <laughs> eighty-five. We'll go to five. So it's, it can be really random, but also Mm -hmm. it can also look like no periods. Someone who hasn't bled in months and months, it can also look like someone who feels like they're bleeding all the time and spotting all the time. And there's like no pattern. So there's, there, there's no clear pattern as far as irregular periods, but it basically a a normal period is classically defined as getting a period every 21 to 35 days. So Mm -hmm. if you're outside that, it could point to PCOS potentially. So that's the first one. The second one is having elevated what we call androgens. Those are our male sex hormones. Like the most famous one is testosterone. We all have testosterone. All men have estrogen. We just typically have them in different amounts depending on what our gender is. So in women with PCOS, we can see elevated levels of testosterone, other androgens potentially, DHT, andosterone, DHEA. Um, So the other part, to that is you can have symptoms of elevated androgens that look like acne, hair loss on the head, Mm -hmm. facial or body hair growth. Those are some common ones, weight gain. Um, Those can also fit in that second criteria. So the third one is you have to get a pelvic ultrasound to see if this is at play. And you can ask your doctor for that if they're looking into PCOS, um, and that's looking for what we call polycystic ovaries. Now I want to clear something up because it's kind of, um, a misnomer, the name polycystic ovarian syndrome, because what we have on our ovaries are not, are are called cysts, but what they really are is underdeveloped immature follicles. And how I describe it is kind of like they're all competing to ovulate and none of them are winning. And it looks like what happens is they kind of accumulate and it looks like a little string of pearls. PCOS does not cause pain. And um, you should have seen the uproar on TikTok when I posted a video that said that because we're <laughs> <The> all. <uproar. laughs> we all get incorrect information. You can certainly have ovarian cysts and concurrently have PCOS, but PCOS does not cause those big types of cysts that can rupture and cause pain. You know, you hear women are like, Oh, I went to the ER. I had a grapefruit fruit size cyst and it burst. That's not from your PCOS. They could have found PCOS at that time. Um, but that's, that's not pain is not a symptom. So if you need two out of three of those You could have PCOS and that's where also someone can have a regular period and still have PCOS. I get asked that a lot because they could have those androgen issues and the polycystic ovaries.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you clarified that because I, I see that a lot too. When they're like, you know, because I have cysts, does that mean I have PCOS or, you know, if I have PCOS, does that mean I'm going to have cysts? And like, I'm just really glad that you clarified that because I think there Mm -hmm. is like you said, the name kind of is like a misnomer um, where we get, it sounds like you would have cysts with how, you know, um, but like I said, it's good to kind of know that, but also to know that like having blood work done probably would help you get diagnosed, you know, if you're having these symptoms. So, you know, if you're going to your doctor and, and you're checking off the box, I'm like, yes, I have this. I have that. Um, that like, talked about, you know, going to your OBGYN or even just your PCP and having them doing um, some blood work to test, to see if you have those um, androgens, like if the, the levels are elevated. Um, so I think that's really important to know. And can I take that with you? Mm -hmm. If you were just diagnosed now, do you recommend women have like, how often do you recommend they have that blood work done? Is is it like a one-time thing or are they doing it more than once every six months? Like what is your recommendation? If you're
1: experiencing symptoms, I would advocate for every six months. If you're feeling like you got a good grip on things at once a year, like if you get a physical is fine. Um, The more data we have, the better, and it sometimes can be really hard. What what I found in my own experience and in you know working with women with PCOS is it can be really hard to get blood work ordered, which is so frustrating because all you know it just takes is like the sign of a pen and off to the lab. Yeah, it's not like the doctor's drawing our blood right there. I don't, I don't know what that's about, but whatever. Um, so it can be hard to, to get that done and you know, advocate for yourself. If you're experiencing symptoms, if you have PCOS, if you have a PCOS diagnosis, you are entitled to get your labs looked at because the more data we have, the better, like I always say. So um, yeah, to keep pushing or find someone who will actually help you and um, you know, a doctor that, that is going to be supportive of the questions that you want answers to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's tons of doctors out there. You know, one's not working for you. There's many fish in the sea of doctors. Yes, so find yes. one that will work for you. Right. Find one that's willing to draw your blood work, um, doing full panels on you. I always say that's so important. Yes. With any diagnosis, but totally. Um, that's totally. great. That kind of gives us a better understanding of like how often they need to have those drawn. Yes, um, yes. Don't you wish there was like Tinder for doctors? Like, oh yeah, would that be nice? Oh my god! Swipe and be amazing. like, oh yeah, that oh, might
1: okay, be a million yeah. dollar idea. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, you, you might get business, <laughs> You know what? I I think I'm going to. You can swipe yeah.
0: on the ones that sound legit. Right, so and but. that's a great idea <laughs> a uh, oh I what they're willing it. like how willing are they to draw lab work yes right i right? Yeah. Yeah. spend with you that's a great yes. idea yes
1: yes i love yeah. it okay <laughs> writing that one down jotting it down someone's gonna still watch we're gonna see yeah. this after this editor not work
0: airs <laughs> Tinder. yeah <laughs> tinder for doctors <laughs> that's awesome i love it um so i know like women with PCOS, they might have, obviously they have possibly irregular periods, um, potentially like inflammation issues, Mm. insulin resistance, Uh, Yeah, kind of talk to me about like women with PCOS, how can they optimize, you know, like strategies to decrease inflammation, improve their insulin resistance, regulate their cycles. Like how can they start to like improve their symptoms in their day-to-day routines
1: Good question. And that has
0: so many moving parts
1: and I'll tackle a few. Um, so you mentioned, um, what was the one that you mentioned just, <laughs> um, inflammation. So yeah. women with PCOS are, we have been found to be kind of in this state of chronic inflammation yeah. and we can have higher levels of inflammatory markers. Like, I don't know, CRP, one of them, um, we can have, we, we often see vitamin D deficiencies, We often see um, insulin resistance and not always, but definitely a a big factor. Um, We see fatigue, we see cravings, we see more anxiety and depression. There's reasons and explanations for all of those. And I can certainly touch on that, but um, to answer your question, well, let me backtrack a little bit. When we get a diagnosis, we are typically given a prescription for birth control. Um, and we're told or, and, or something like metformin, which is a, a, a drug created for diabetes. So, and that's given for, for women, even that don't have insulin resistance, which is, um, which is interesting, but, um, so metformin we're told to just lose weight, just cut carbs. Um, and, uh, another one is come back when you want to get pregnant. So that is kind of, um. And, and I, I want to say too, this is by no fault of our incredible doctors. We have some amazing doctors out there who are intelligent and highly capable individuals of quality care. I really blame our healthcare system because they're given like 10 minute slots with us. So how much can we really, how much change can we really affect in 10 minutes? Not much. I don't know any practitioner who, I don't know any dietitian who, who operates a private practice in 10 minute slots. Right. So we have to give Doctors a lot of grace there, um, and but I will say too that amount of time. Yeah, it, we don't get enough of the good stuff in terms of what we can do outside of medication because not everybody wants to take birth control. Right? right, birth control has lots of side effects. I hate birth control; it makes me feel like a nutso. So yeah. I don't want to take it. And that can cause really nasty digestive side effects, and no one wants to be running to the bathroom, you know, number two all day long. So. Yeah. There has to be other options out there. And what I want women to know is that if they want to take birth control, that form and have at it, I fully support that, but I also want them to know that that's not the only option for them. And there is so much that we can do from a dietary and lifestyle perspective. And that's where I come in. So diet wise, it really, and I, I harp on this a lot, but every time I talk about it, I get like crickets because it's like the least sexy subject, but (laughs) it all comes down to blood sugar balance Mm -hmm. and making sure we're supporting healthy blood sugar levels because that directly impacts our hormones. For example, one way is in women with PCOS, when our blood sugar is not as regulated as it could be, should be, which we live in a very carb centric food society. Um, so it's hard to accomplish without, you know, understanding how to do it. So when it's not as balanced as it could be, should be, it sends messages down to our ovaries to pump out more androgens like Mm -hmm. testosterone, So if someone's wondering, why is my facial hair getting out of control is simply making certain tweaks to your diet, which is what I teach women how to do can help to reduce facial hair growth. Um, so that's one way in which, you know, nutrition and how we're, how we're not only what we're eating, but how we're eating is impacting our hormones with PCOS. So there's that. Um, and then also stress. Stress is there's a huge adrenal and stress component um, when it comes to PCOS. And we all, you know, stress less, so you know, reduce your stress. We all hear it all the time. It's not like but a broken record, I know. I know. <laughs> but it's so important, yeah, because um, you know, for example, when, when we're stressed out, our body starts producing cortisol instead, which is our stress hormone, instead of progesterone. Progesterone mm-hmm. is essential for maintaining a pregnancy. So if we're walking around, you know completely just flatlined by by stressors and our PCOS and our hormones are out of control, it can be hard to achieve a healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, stress can also halt ovulation. So the reason why PCOS is a leading cause of infertility is because many of us are not ovulating. We're ovulating either very irregularly or not at all. So if you think about the average woman um, who does not have PCOS or any you know fertility conditions, she's ovulating once a month. Someone with PCOS like myself, um, have I not been working on my PCOS might ovulate twice a year. So you can see how she had, I have significantly less chances than someone who's ovulating every month. And so if you don't hit the timing correctly, then, you know, you're wondering what the hell, like, well, why am I not getting pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so all, all different things, dietary, you know, stress, um, exercise, mood, all of these things have, have an effect on how our PCOS is showing up for us. Yeah. So when it comes to dietary changes, we want to focus on protein, fat and fiber, and less on carbohydrates, not eliminate carbohydrates, but cause PCOS is for life. We have it for life. There's no cure. So we have to manage it forever and we have to be eating in a way that is sustainable. So going keto, truly going into ketosis is very hard to do. Yes, mm-hmm. we have research that shows it's helpful, but the one or two studies that we go off of, the, I think one, the one of them, um, I forget which what it's called, but like only like five of the participants remained at the end because it was so yeah. hard. So, um, it's hard to carry out long-term, same thing with intermittent fasting, very difficult to do. Um, so you want to pick something that's going to be sustainable in the long run. Mm -hmm. So just by balancing blood sugar, you can directly impact your hormones in a positive way. Same thing with stress, adding in movement, working on digestion, making sure you're sleeping well. And, um, there's also supplements can be really helpful too. Um, there, but they're simply supportive. They're not the whole enchilada. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Like whenever I post about, like if I made a post on Instagram, that was like top five ways to manage your PCOS. And one of them was a supplement suggestion. I swear to God, I get 300 comments about the supplement. Everybody wants to pop a pill. I get it, but supplements are not alone are not going to help you achieve everything
0: you want to achieve with your PCOS.
1: They're they're one piece of the puzzle,
0: but they they can be an important piece. Yeah, as I say, people are always looking for just that easy solution, and like uh, you can take supplements, that's great. But if you're not putting the work in the other areas, it's right. It's not doing anything really. Yeah, exactly, canceling awesome. each other out. Um, right. But mm-hmm. you do you have a supplement line, don't you? I do. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. So, I have. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so you have a supplement line, like mm-hmm. when you're working with your um you know who you're coaching or like your yeah. patients mm-hmm. do you like recommend just certain ones depending on what symptoms they're having is that kind of how you do it or like tell us a little bit how you um decide like what supplements they need
1: right so yeah and that's a common question Corey what's I have PCOS what supplements do I take mm-hmm. so The answer is it depends um, because you you need to pick the supplements that are going to be most helpful for your unique body and symptoms. So every supplement out there, it should have this or else you shouldn't be buying it. It should have a description of what it's for, who it's for. So just kind of generally, my recommendations, if you have elevated androgens like testosterone, that's potentially driving a lot of your PCOS issues if you have irregular periods, if you have weight gain problems, if you have facial or body hair growth, any of those acne, if you're losing hair or thinning hair on the head. So you want to take something that's going to help encourage lower androgen production. And I have a blend called the Androgen blocker. That's like a superstar. It's like, it has like a cult following now. It's amazing. (laughs) And, um, I love it. And that is, um, that's probably like my best seller because so many women love it. Um, And then if you have some stress and adrenal stuff going on, a lot of us at PCOS, we kind of overreact to common stressors. Like somebody might be a little bit stressed if X, Y, Z happens, but when PCOS, our bodies like are on overdrive and overreact. And then it causes this cascade as far as problems in our hormones downstream. Mm -hmm. So my cortisol calmer is an excellent one to take before bed. It is Yeah. It's great for anxiety, irritability, mood, sleep. It's a, it's an excellent one. So if you have any kind of adrenal component, um, you want to take something like that, that's going to be calming. It's got some adaptogens in there. So those are two that are really helpful. Ovasitol is a, is probably the most widely known PCOS supplement? That is a great one for blood sugar balance. So if you have any kind of issues with nutrition, um, uh, insulin resistance, infertility problem, you know, it's also great for egg quality too. So if you are trying to conceive, it's just like a no-brainer. Um, that's an excellent one to to take as well.
0: And, um, as well for our Hashimoto's patients.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. I know that. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. My, yeah. So, so that's a great one too. Um, Mm -hmm. omega three fatty acids are probably my favorite for anti anti anti-inflammatories. Um, and, uh, you, so Omega threes, there are lots of, um, crappy ones out there <laughs> that, uh, just are just basically fillers. So you want to find one that has at least 500 milligrams of what's called EPA and DHA. Yeah. So unfortunately the plant-based like flaxseed walnuts, those are healthy foods, but that, uh, fish oil in there or fish oil, that omega-3 oil is only your body only absorbs about 10%. So you're kind of wasting money if you're just relying on plant-based sources. Um, so that fish oil is an excellent one as well. There's all kinds, but yeah, those are a few that I like.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. I think that's helpful. And I think it's interesting too. A lot of those, um, are very like similar to what we recommend for our Hashimoto's patients as well, because Um, you know, they kind—they have similarities as far as yeah. like fatigue and like cortisol yes. okay. and inflammation. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see similarities and yeah. like as far as the recommendations go on the supplements. Yes. Um, yeah, very cool. We'll mm-hmm. have, have to post your link to your um, page yes. that has the links to your supplements and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know you have children, so PCOS obviously can make conceiving difficult, especially yes. if you're not ovulating regularly, um, or you're, you know, having in cycles, you know, mm-hmm. what, how can we, what can we tell our listeners? Um, you know, if they're only ovulating, how can they track their ovulation basically, or like, how can they yeah. make sure, or you know, ensure that their ovulation is happening more than just twice a year?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good question then. And anytime I get asked on like a podcast or something like, what what's you know where do women start if they want to conceive with PCOS? Always my number one answer is this: start tracking your cycles because I get asked a lot. Oh, um, you know I I have a, a thirty eight day cycle typically. Am I ovulating? I don't know. So you you need to start tracking your cycle and um, there's different devices out there to do that, but and they're called BBT basal body temperature thermometers. And they're, they're more exact than a regular thermometer that we might use when we're sick. So you can't use that one, but there are all
0: kinds of brands.
1: Um, my favorite is called the temp drop. Yeah. And what I love about that. Yeah. I love it that, uh, cause it's a wearable device. So some of the traditional BBTs, you have to wake up at the same time every morning and take your temp. the temp drop, you just slap it on when you go to sleep, take it off when you wake up. So mm-hmm. there's, you don't have to adhere to any time constraints. Um, and it tracks your temp all night long your body temperature very subtly, it rises uh, after ovulation. So what we're looking for when you're charting your cycle, you're taking your temperature every day in the morning, and then you're looking for your body temperature shoots up. And um, depending on the device, you know, typically it's about 0.3 to 0.6 degrees. Um, and it's sustained. So it stays high. You can have little fluctuations, of course, but it doesn't drop back down to that pre-ovulatory temperature. Um, that's, it's much easier to describe if there's like a visual, but anyway, um, tracking your cycle will tell you, am I ovulating right. if you're ovulating? So I think also when we have PCOS, we want that 28 day cycle. That's what we grow up learning about, right. In our like very limited, sad, um, sex education that we get, <laughs> it is, <it's> um, yeah. <laughs> I know. So, um, we, we have 20 day periods and we ovulate on day 14. That's what we're taught. So that's actually false. Actually like less than 15% of women have a 28 day cycle. So, um, however, I think a lot of us want that 20 day cycle. And if you have a periods, my advice is to lower your standards don't you, it's okay. If you don't have a 28 day cycle, my goal for patients and clients and program members, whether or not fertility is on their radar, is to aim to be regular, regular ovulating on a semi-regular basis, because that's going to ensure you're at a lower risk for something like endometrial cancer. It's going to make sure you have more stable moods. It's going to give you some predictability, even if you're not ovulating and having a 20 day cycle. So if you are ovulating, you know, nine, 10 times out of the year, that is awesome progress. Awesome progress. Um, and you know, much better than two or three. So you want to just kind of aim just to ovulate every, you know, semi-regularly, if you can do, you know, on an every month basis. Awesome. But think, you know, for those listening, um, who have, you know, maybe worked on period regulation and seen their, their cycles, you know, more regular, that's great progress. So right. be proud of yourself for that. And, um, and that's really what I, I, I teach women is to track that cycle to see, am I ovulating even semi regularly? Am I ovulating at all? Have I not seen any ovulation in six or seven months? So that will show you, okay, this is something that I need to work on. And you can also like look at your cervical mucus, and there's other ways. But BBT is the, is really the only way outside of a doctor's office you can confirm that you're ovulating.
0: You can use ovulation predictor kits. So I was going to like, you think about OPKs? You like those? OPKs they work for um, patients?
1: I've seen them work really well for some clients. And I've seen them not work at all for others. And the reason why is because they can be a little bit finicky. Well, there's two reasons. One is that it can be a little bit finicky if you're overly hydrated. Um, if maybe you didn't take it at the right time, we can see false positives or negatives, mostly negatives. Um, and if you have PCOS, some of us just have what we call, um, more luteinizing hormone. So an OPK will always look positive for us. So it doesn't work at all. Yeah, so I would high
0: and yeah,
1: yeah. And that's hey, what hey, you're yeah, you're ovulating. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so <laughs> they can be helpful, but honestly, my recommendation is just to have regular intercourse until you confirm that ovulation happened mm-hmm. and take the steps as far as diet and supplements and exercise and stress reduction to get ovulating on a more regular basis. So outside of ovulation, women with PCOS are at a slightly higher risk for miscarriage. Um, and we're also at a higher risk for gestational diabetes and preeclampsia. Yeah. So those are other things not to scare anyone, um, but that can happen. And so it's never too early to start working on blood sugar regulation because that plays in a gestational diabetes
0: right. preeclampsia,
1: even your, your nutrition and diet. Um, and, uh, you know, it's never too early to start working on that stuff.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what are some risks associated with pregnancy with PCOS? But, Mm -hmm. and you kind of answered that already. Um, And I think working on things pre pregnancy while you're trying to conceive are obviously going to help you when you do conceive. Right. Um, So that's great. Mm -hmm. As far as postpartum goes, like, Mm because, you know, there's tons of hormones that are happening in postpartum. And, like, you know, you kind of feel like you're everywhere up and down. Mm -hmm. How does that, you know, with PCOS, getting that regulated back whenever, after you're, you've had your baby and you're in postpartum, like what are some tips you can give mamas who are in the postpartum journey as far as, um, you know, preventing them from having, um, I don't know, difficulty with their PCOS, like kind of coming back into getting a regular cycle after having a baby.
1: Yeah, so if it depends too um, whether or not that person is breastfeeding, because that obviously can affect things period wise. Right. I've seen—I don't know if this gives hope or not—but I'm saying it's like a total crapshoot with postpartum PCOS. Like some women, actually, their cycles regulate for them better. Right. Yeah. Some women they go totally haywire, and some kind of go back to where they were before. So it just like with women without PCOS, it can really vary. Um, per person, how their bodies respond postpartum. And because I've been through two of these phases now, it can vary per kiddo, right? Per right. Per, per child. So, um, so it, it really just depends. There's no magic formula. There's no magic secret to success. It's really what I like to say, kind of going back to your, your roots and your basis. So Um, getting back to basics in terms of diet and stress and supplements, if you, you know, depending on your recipe or not, and what you can take, um, postpartum is such a tricky, you know, hazy, interesting phase of life. And, um, you know, it's sleep is, is just a whole thing. Um, stress is a whole thing. So there's no magic formula of PCOS. It's really just getting back to basics and trying to get back to where you were before, you know, when your body was in a good place, if, if you felt like that, and you know, you were ovulating again, just trying to go back to what we were doing at that time and try to encourage hormones to kind of balance themselves out, regulate
0: them out. Yeah. Regulate. Yeah. It's easier yeah.
1: said than done. I can attest. It <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I
0: can understand is. that. Um, so like, tell me what are some of your like favorite PCOS staples in your life right now, as far as like food lifestyle goes, like what are some of the things women can try?
1: Yeah. So, um, and I'll say this too, in connection with the postpartum, um. I think exercise, um, for, for myself. And I think for many others, we've always kind of grown up exercise, equating exercise with weight loss, right. And, and changing our body composition. I want a bigger, butt. I want a smaller, you know, whatever. Um, there are so many excellent, powerful effects of exercise on our mood and our stress. Like I swear, if we could take exercise and put it into a capsule, it would be like the most powerful antidepressant out there. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, because of the way that our our society is set up, you know, we're not people in Europe are walking everywhere. We're not walking. We're driving. We're sitting at our desk. Now we're, we're working from home more. So we're. Sedentary lifestyles. Yes. Sedentary Mm -hmm. lifestyles and movement has declined so much. And so we have to make it like a concerted effort to like get to the gym or a class. And it's a very small portion of our day, but if we can do something like that, or even a walk outside, like I always say nature, 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 and especially when the sun's out, you get that vitamin D boost that is especially postpartum. I've noticed this about myself too. It's so important to mood. Um, so that's something that you can absolutely focus on that. I've been, I've been talking about that for years how important it is. And you don't have to be an Olympic athlete. You don't have to go train for a marathon if you want to, by all means, but just getting in some movement and whatever you enjoy is so helpful and so underrated and undervalued um, when it comes to our hormones.
0: That's great. I love that. I know, like, I don't know if this is relevant for people with PCOS, but like types of exercise, does it matter? Mm -hmm. Because I know for like Hashimoto's patients, we tend to like, Recommend restorative movement to start off with, and like really okay, conditioning yeah. your body to getting up to like strength training. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if you had any um, like similarities with that, or if you had any recommendations as far as like if someone hasn't been exercising, you know, where should they start off? Just like walking, doing yoga, or like you know, if they're used to do um, you know weightlifting, is that something they can just jump back into?
1: Yeah. Good question. So I recommend, ideally, I recommend kind of a mix of cardio strength training and restorative workouts. Okay. When I say restorative workouts, I mean, walking, hiking, slow biking, um, yoga, something like that.
0: Yeah. Because
1: that's calming for our adrenals. And it's a great way to kind of, like you said, kind of like go from sedentary to some movement. It's, it's a great way to kind of act as that segue. Um, honestly, there's, there, there's a lot out there about, you can, there's, um, I love this one that you can only do slow workouts with PCOS. You should only do slow workouts because you're going to damage your cortisol or something that we don't have any research to support that you can do whatever workout you want in moderation. No one's I'm not saying go do, you know, um, CrossFit seven days a week for an hour or two, but, um, you can certainly add in some more intense exercises. Mm I think at the end of the day, the best exercise is the one that you're actually going to do because you love it. Yeah. So if you're forcing yourself to, to go do this and this and this exercise, but you really love to run and you you're stuck with these like slow weighted, scratch that, like just get in some movement. Don't go overboard. Don't do too much and don't do too little. Don't not exercise at all. And don't go super ham, you know, hard in the paint like seven days a week. So <laughs> take a balance and you know, maybe you get in 30 to 45 minutes, four to five times a week. And that is awesome. That's more than most. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers that, that question.
0: It does. That's, that's huge. And like, I'm, i have a 10 month old and I know like for me getting back into movement, it was having to like, take my child with me a lot of times, yes. like, taking them on a walk or like holding them while I'm doing squats, like incorporating them in that exercise, which I know is difficult to get back into that. But, you know, having them with me is kind of been the change for me and been, it's been a change in my mindset too. Like I, just because they're with me doesn't mean I don't, I don't get to move my body today. So yes. um, yeah, that's love great. It. I love that yeah. answer. Um, I think that's super helpful for listeners. Um, you know, whether they're, newly diagnosed or they've been, they've had PCOS for a while. Yeah. Um, And as far as like food staples, I've I've seen your Instagram page. You make tons of recipes. They all look amazing. Um, what are some (laughs) of like your favorites that help with, um, like controlling our blood sugar?
1: Yeah. Um, some of my favorite recipes on my, um, gosh, there's so many, (laughs) I post a lot of recipes. Um, I like so honestly, like my my recipes are very like protein and fiber forward. Okay. So that's what I find is most helpful for blood sugar balance. And I think we think of like when I say that, we think that we have to like eliminate carbs and we're just gonna be eating like broccoli and and chicken breast. and that's My hope is that I communicate to women that you don't have to eat like that to eat for your PCOS. You can still eat delicious food. Mm -hmm. And another issue I see is women say with PCOS, I say, well, I don't want to cook. You know, a a dinner is totally separate for myself. I have my kids, I have my partner to cook for. So my, you don't have to, you don't have to eat something totally different when you have PCOS. So here's a good example. Say you're going to have spaghetti meatball night. That like standard, right? So say you have some noodles, some um meat, whatever, pot or marinara sauce. Then you've got meatballs and you've got some broccoli going. So that's the dinner. So maybe your partner, maybe your husband is like a big meat eater, not a big veggie guy, eats his carbs, right? So he's his plate's gonna be a bunch of meatballs, he's gonna have some noodles and sauce, and maybe he's gonna have a little. Look like at two florets of broccoli. And that's fine. That's his plate. Maybe your kid is like super picky and just wants the noodles with like butter or something, right? Yeah. So that's that. And maybe you can get like a sprig of something green on their plate, maybe, maybe a right. little bit of meatball, but mostly it's the noodles, right? That's what they want. You are gonna build your plate. You're if you had a plate or a bowl, whatever, you're gonna get about a cup and a half or two cups of that. Roasted broccoli. You're gonna add three to four ounces of meatballs. And you know, obviously when I'm saying that, it's hard to visualize. Maybe like the size of the palm of your hand, right? And then you're gonna add like a quarter cup of noodles and sauce. So you don't have to cook any any different, entirely separate meal for yourself. You're just changing up the portions of what you're eating. So maybe another example is maybe your kid is like has been like hounding you for mac and cheese, mind us sometimes. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna do the mac and cheese. And maybe you also have for you and your partner, you have some chicken or fish or something and some salad, and you've got mac and cheese and your kiddos eating mac and cheese. And you're like, okay, I need a carb because I want to have some kind of carb. Maybe you add that mac and cheese to your plate in a small amount. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, you know, scoop an entire bowl. Right. But maybe Mm -hmm. you put a quarter cup of mac and cheese. Is that the world's best carbohydrate for you on, on this planet? No, but Are you still getting your protein, your veggies, and not having to stress over cooking an entirely separate meal for yourself? Yes. So it's okay to not be perfect. And I always encourage followers, clients, women, um, aim for the B grade in your diet, in the way that you're eating, aim for the B. Because if you aim for the A and the A plus, you're gonna burn yourself out and you're gonna do that. Hop on, hop off the diet train all the time, right? And that's that's just exhausting. I've been there. It sucks. So don't be perfect, but be good enough. And it's always progress over perfection. So on my page, I have a ton of recipes. I have breakfast. I like to do super simple. I keep it basic. because I I'm a mom of two, I don't have time to cook, and I was a single mom for a while. So um, with my first, so I didn't have time to like go be Wolfgang Puck in the kitchen, right? Like I needed, to, I knew I needed to support my hormones, and I knew that I needed to get dinner on the table. So that's really where my my cooking comes from, and it's simplifying things for women to say, hey, I can eat that way too. So I have breakfast stuff, lunches, dinner, snacks. I'm, I have a huge sweet tooth, so lots of desserts on there. I have some, sometimes I'll do like drinks, like cocktails or smoothies or, you know, something like that. So there's something for everyone. And, um, yeah, I have a whole recipes highlight that any listener here can go explore.
0: That's amazing. I, I know I've looked through them, and I'm like, oh, I'm saving, saving, saving. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of just to finish up, tell us about some of the programs you offer for women with PCOS, because I know you have a couple. Um, so I kind of just want you to talk about it for our listeners real quick.
1: Yeah, I have. So I have two programs. One of them is get pregnant with PCOS. And that is specifically focused on PCOS symptom management and getting pregnant successfully. So we have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of babies out of that program. That's why I keep running it. It's so successful. It's my baby. It's my first baby because I created it when I was before I have the kids. Um, and I actually love it. And that one um also has a uh weight loss mode you can check into if you want to work on that too. And before I say the wearing weight mask, I want to preface with, with this. There is absolutely a a wrong way to go about weight loss, and um, that puts you in restriction, elimination. Yeah. sets you up for binging. We get into eating disorder territory. We've all seen that. And it's ugly. That is not what I work from. My other program is the PCOS boss Academy, and it's focused on PCOS symptom mastery and permanent non-restrictive weight loss. So all foods can fit. Um, and you know, we're focused on all kinds of health markers. And if you want to pursue healthy, sustainable weight loss, then I'm, I'm your girl too. So, um, so those are the two that I run. And if if this airs before the end of the month, I'll be rerunning them on December 28th. And I am currently working on a super secret project to create a subscription membership program. So that's where women can join. And every week they get a brand new, totally curated by me, um, meal plan for PCOS.
0: And, um, it's focused on weight loss and fertility as well. Wow. That's yep. amazing. And they sound like phenomenal programs. Um, yes. so if you have PCOS and you're looking for a practitioner that specializes in this, um, Corey's your girl, like she's, yes. whoop, whoop. She <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just so glad that we were able to have you on and like, yeah. you've been just a wealth of knowledge for us. And I right. like, this has been great for um, our listeners to kind of hear about US so in general and just trying to conceive with it. Um, so kind of just let our listeners know where they can find you at and if they're yeah. Interested. Totally. Um, so I'm mostly active on my Instagram and that is
1: at the women's dietitian dietitian is spelled with two T's. Um, and I also have the same handle on TikTok. And I also, I'm not as active on there. There should be. Um, and then I also have my website, which is just www.the And I want to close too with, um, you know, if you have PCOS and you are trying to conceive or you're thinking about that in the future there, you have, you have hope because, it's entirely possible. And I want women to know that because a lot of us are told, you know, like I was told, good luck ever getting pregnant without significant medical intervention. Wrong. So if you've been told that it's wrong and, um, there's plenty that you can do to optimize your fertility. So,
0: yeah, I agree. I think it's great. Well, we are um, so happy that we were able to have you on today. We appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to, to talk with us and we maybe have you back someday.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much.